So, Moira, why did you decide to embark on this vetting process firstly? Well, you know, for for a number of reasons, Sakina. You know, in fact, this year, there's been a few changes in the process for, for selecting the public protector. Previously, the only point at which the public could become involved was to nominate. But this year, we have received permission for the names and the CVs to be published and for and to allow for some time for the public to engage with those names and to, to provide some submission. So we think this is a very good step, and it also allows for, for, for being able to assess at the first stage whether people actually do meet the requirements on a very sort of, uh, you know, basic level. So, basic, so, so our process looks at whether, whether people actually were, were qualified in terms of the, the requirements of the Act. And also it allowed us to do some additional research to see if there were any, any areas that might potentially be red flags moving forward. So it's a 144-page document. And uh, <laughs> could you please uh, just share with our listeners some of the more interesting findings from this vetting process? Yes, you know, well, we're not, um, um, I mean, our, our task here is not really to kind of single out any any candidates. It's really to make information available to the public. But I think the kind of things that we looked at were whether they were sort of highlighting people's careers, low, low lights as well, triumphs, some defeats. I mean, there are some instances where there's, you know, potentially some alleged criminal um, conduct or, or, or allegations made. And it's really just to just put all of that information out there and then to allow the public and the ad hoc committee to make their own assumptions, because I think ultimately what what we've seen, and you know, we conducted a a, a, a survey on on what the ideal sort of public public uh, protective persona would look like, and most people have said obviously. I think the most important criteria is that the, it's the person of integrity who's able to act with independence and to be transparent and accountable. So I think, you know, the, the sort of information that we are, that, that has come to light is, is really about helping people to make that kind of a judgment call. And uh, what would you say was like some of the most serious charges that you came across? Um, you know, um, you know, I think, I think one thing I must say is that at this point we are, we were not, we have not verified people's Qualifications. I mean, what we've done is just on a very sort of, um, you know, a, a one-source desktop review. We've, mm. we've looked and seen people are actually qualified in terms of the act, in terms of what the CV says. So there's, you know, possibly there's another process that needs to happen. But, you know, I would say probably, you know, if there has been alleged criminal conduct, then, but, you know, if, if, but by the same token, if those charges have been dropped, then we need to we need to trust the process. So there have been some examples of that. I would imagine I would I would say from a, and this was very much just from a personal point of view the the real kind of meat is if we look at and especially with candidates who have made judgments in their capacity as as, as judges or or uh, you know being part of the legal system. What is of perhaps most interest is the the, the nature of the judgments that have been made. Because there's a lot of really interesting information, and it also gives a sense of where people's kind of emphasis lies, and in terms of priorities, uh, you know, under our constitution. So I would say that probably that's the area of greatest interest. Speaking of um, 
emphasis and priority. Um, you know, when we read things like uh, looking at people having links with the Gupta family, is that something that you actively sought out to find? No, not not particularly. I mean, I think one of the questions, and this was, um, well, it was one of the criteria that we used for vetting, was to look at affiliations. And I mean, there's there's absolutely no, I mean, there's there's no um, obstruction for people to have uh, to have any kind of affiliation. It's really just a question of whether uh, whether the public and the and the committee feels that people would be able to act independently. So we didn't specifically seek out any of that. I mean, it was more a question of, is this a person that, that we think would be able to, to act independently without being influenced by any of the affiliations? And I mean, certainly people are, uh, you know, there's definitely provision for people to be members of political parties, to, to have allegiances. There's no, I mean, that's, that's completely acceptable, as we've seen with past public protectors. But I think the the question now is for the public to, to decide and the and the committee, uh, you know. So w- whether that is going to be something that would obstruct the you know uh, the the implementation of duties in, in the office. Was there anyone on the list with no skeletons at all? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm really not able to say. I mean, I think in some cases there wasn't information available. You'll see if you just scan through the documents, um, and it would take quite a long time to go through them all. But certainly in some cases, there just wasn't a lot of information available. So whether that means that there are no skeletons or not, I don't, I don't think we could make that call. I think um, there's, there's obviously another. It was really just our meeting process is just one, of, one step in that process. I mean, the committee itself has their work cut out for them this week, as you probably know. And um, that process is going to take take place, and it will be quite intense. But um, I, so I think, you know, that, that's a difficult one to say that anybody came out sort of with absolutely, you know, nothing, nothing <laughs> no information at all. So, mm. uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to say. Well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Head of Communications for Corruption Watch, Moira Campbell.